turn in your Bibles to, uh, we're going to start <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 12, um, but uh, we'll end up in Genesis chapter 6. I'm sorry, Chris, I forgot to add that to you. So we're going to go to Genesis 6, put your ribbon or something there, and then go to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we'll be there in a minute. Uh, last week, we started a new series that I'm calling The Pathway of Faith, and <clears throat> I picked this title for a very specific reason, and uh, I got a picture for you. Chris is going to put up the picture, uh, and this is this is the the image, one of the images that I had it in my mind when I was thinking about this. Um, a pathway is a predetermined course. Uh, it is not a random journey through life. This is a course that. God has set for your life and mine. And as we contemplate how to move forward <clears throat> is the whole point of this series that we're talking about, uh, that we're starting. We started last last week and we're going to continue for several, several weeks. But the idea here is that we uh, learn how to Listen to God's leading in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a very, very well-known passage. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that thus so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again. As we look at your word tonight, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us in our thinking, that you would help us to understand maybe a little bit better um, how you lead and direct in our lives. And we are so thankful and grateful for all you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us run with patience. The, 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 that phrase within this, these two verses, let us run with patience. The word race is, is, a, it is a specific course. It is a, it is a pathway. That's why I, I picked the word pathway. But it is, it is not just... You know, when, you know, during the Olympics, they just don't shoot the gun and everybody just take off and run, run where they want. Uh, they they have to run a certain course, and this is the this is the idea that I'm I'm hope hopefully going to be able to communicate uh, through this series. God has a predetermined course for your life. Think about that. It was years after I was saved, before I started really understanding the fact that God has a predetermined course for my life. So what happens when we journey down courses or, or trails or whatever, uh, you know, during races or whatever? You encounter intersections. Next picture, if you would please, Chris. So, 
what happens when we get to this point? Now, I can only speak for myself, okay? This is, this is me, and I can only tell you how I think. But for years and years and years, when I would get to a place like this in my life, I would do this. I would pray, and I would ask the Lord, what? Which way do you want me to go? Now, I want you to think about that for a second because that, that <clears throat> is that the right question to ask? And the, lo- the longer I've been saved and the, 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 the more that I've walked with the Lord, the question has changed. Instead of saying, Lord, which way do you want me to go? This is how I pray now. Lord, Show me the path that you have already selected for me to travel. You think, well, that's kind of splitting hairs. Well, no, I don't think so. Because when we acknowledge the fact that the path is already set, and all we have to do is follow the path. But what does Satan do? Satan throws intersections in the way. Trials and struggles and, and difficulties. And we talked about this morning, crisis, uh, you know, when they come into our lives and different things. And they, we, get, we get to these, these sections and we, we say, okay, God, wh- which way do you want me to go? And we almost, to a point, go into negotiations with God. Do we not? Well, okay, God, if you... If you close this door, then I will go this direction. If you close this door, I will go this direction. And, and we, we get into this negotiating mode with God almost. And, we, and we, it's almost like we could go either way. But if we understand that God has already decided the way, it makes our choices much easier. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, looking, looking. In verse, in, in verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. Last week, I, I, I shared a, an illustration with you. When I was, <clears throat> when I was nine, I, I was at the city park one day, and, and there, was, there was some big group of kids and a few adults hanging out over one part of the park. And <clears throat> I went over to inquire to see what was going on. And you know, it, it was a cross-country race. And they, the, the park director was there, and I knew him, and he encouraged me to get in the race. Well, I'd never, <laughs> I'd never run cross-country in my life. I didn't, I'd never even heard of it. I mean, I was nine years old. I don't remember how long it was. I want to say it was a mile, but I, I honestly I don't remember. But basically, he took me over to this big board and he showed me, and, and, and there were multiple colors and, and different courses. And each course 
each color on the course uh, was uh, for each different age group. And he said, you know, in your age group, you want to follow, you know, I don't know, the blue course or what, I don't know. And, and he said, but Rick, he said, really, all you have to do is keep your eye on the guy in the golf cart. He knows the course. All you have to do is follow him. So I said, okay, I'll do it. I mean, you know what? You know, I didn't have anything else to do that day. So <clears throat> come time to, for the race and, you know, they said go. And I took off running and I just followed the guy in the golf course, the golf cart. It was really that simple. I didn't have to. I didn't have to guess about. Okay, am I turning right? Am I turning? All I had to do was follow him. And that is exactly the phraseology here in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse two. Looking unto Jesus, all we have to do is follow him. Makes our decision making a whole lot easier when we're contemplating major event changes in our lives. All we need to do is look unto Jesus and he'll give us the answers. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The pathway of faith. All we have to do is keep our eyes on the Lord. Keep our eyes on the golf cart, if you would. That's all we have to do. The first intersection we I introduced last week, the first intersection that we're, we've come to is I called the, the Trail to Mount Moriah. What? Oh, well, it'd help if I would read it. <clears throat> Mount Ararat, excuse me. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> Mount Ararat. In Genesis, turn over to Genesis chapter 6. verses 5 and 6, And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination and and thoughts of his heart was was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the point that I made last week is we talked about the reason. Why, why is there even a trail to Mount Ararat? Why is there even the need for this trail to, to, to begin with? And that is because of the, the, the wickedness or the corrupt heart. The wickedness or the corrupt heart. <clears throat> the people in Noah's day were truly corrupt from the inside out. Their hearts were only evil continually. The psalmist 
describes it like this in Psalm chapter 14 and verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And what happens? What is the result of a corrupt heart? And the point B uh, last week was the corrupt lives. And you, if you have a corrupt heart, you're going to have a corrupt life. Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. And uh, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, uh, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So that's where we ended last week with the idea of the, the, the reason for the, 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 the trail to Mount Ararat. Why did, why did this journey even have to take place? Because of the wickedness of men. And that their hearts were evil continually. Let's look at verse 8 of our passage in Genesis. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Even though the world around him was corrupt, everything about the world, it, it, <clears throat> you, think, you think the world that we live in is evil. Uh, it is nothing compared to the day of Noah. And Noah was a man who walked with God. Contrary to the culture of the day, Noah chose to cultivate a personal relationship with God. It was not popular. The trail in Noah's life that would ultimately lead to, to Mount Moriah started... Or, why do I keep saying that? <clears throat> Ararat, Mount Ararat... <clears throat> The, the trail that in Noah's life that would ultimately lead him to Mount Ararat all started with a relationship with God. Think about that. The, the same God that Noah served is the same God that you and I serve. He has not changed. In all those thousands of years, he is still the same God. And the same relationship that Noah had with God is available to us today. All we have to do is walk with Him. His ability to stay focused on the goal. That was, I think, part of the thing that set Noah apart. One of the questions that we don't have an answer to, why was Noah the only person on earth that God saw righteousness in? Why? Or, or better yet, where did he learn it from? 
we, we talked last week about the fact that we can assume, but we don't know, that he got it from his great-grandfather, Methuselah. Or, well, not not uh, Enoch. Uh, not, not, yeah, I was going to say not Methuselah. Uh, but his great-grandfather, Enoch. We, we assume that. We assume that, but we don't know. We don't know where he got it from. But we know that he walked with God. And, and the, I, I think one of, the key, one of the key things here, and I think God gives us a little glimpse into it, is the fact in verse 9, it, the Bible tells us that he walked with God. And what did Enoch do? He walked with God. John chapter 15, verses 3 through 5 says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. We need that relationship with God if we are going to, as we go through the life, the trails of life, and as we get to intersections, and if we have our eyes focused on the Lord, and we get to an intersection because God has already put the plan in action, all we have to do is follow His plan and keep our eyes on Him. And it makes our decision-making a whole lot easier when we know that we are to follow Him. Because often, and again, I can only speak for myself. Okay, I can only speak for myself. Oftentimes, when I've, be, when I've gotten to intersections like that in my life, truthfully, I always know what God wants me to do. I just want to do what I want to do. That's, that's where the negotiation comes in. But God, this is, I really, this is really what I want to do. So if you, if you close this door, I will be happy to go this way. Sometimes, <clears throat> those of you that are parents and, and, and maybe even bosses at work, how many times have you had people or children come to you acting like they're looking for advice, but actually what they're doing is looking for you to agree with the decision that they have already made? They'll ask you, but are they really asking you for your opinion? As a pastor, I see it. I see it periodically, not all the time, but periodically. Some of you, well, this is what I think I'm going to do, and 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 then they'll say something, and and I've prayed about it, and and so and and so God's told me to go this direction. 
So what are, what are they asking me? They're asking me to say, oh, okay, if that's what you want to do, go right ahead. You've got my approval. But in reality, they're telling, not asking. And oftentimes when we get to those intersections of life, so to speak, we get to the point where we lose focus on the course that God has already placed in front of us. The race, the course, the trail, you name it how you will. Noah's worship of God was not just a, a Sunday morning kind of worship. He, he is characterized by walking with God. You know, I've often wondered what my epitaph will say when I die. Ronald Reagan was in a cemetery one day with his wife and he, he looked down and he says, Whoa, honey, this is weird. And she said, What's the matter? He said, There's two people buried in this grave. She said, How do you know that? And he said, read it. Here lays a good man and a politician. <laughs> so, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I've often wondered what my epitaph is going to say. You know, hey, he, he was a good guy or what, you know, whatever. I can tell you what I what I hope it says. This is what I hope it says. He walked with God. That's the only that's the only goal I have in life. I don't want to be rich. I just want to walk with God. And if I will walk with God, I will be a good husband to my wife. I'll be a good grand a grandfather to my grandchildren and a good dad to my kids. See, my goal is pretty simple. I just want to walk with God. Hopefully, I can finish my life that way. I've got a question for you. Why did God choose Noah to build the ark. Was he a good was he a good boat builder? <laughs> yeah, didn't even know what a boat was. John? Exactly. So the, 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 my, my point is this. <clears throat> There's a quote. I don't know who, who the quote is, uh, uh, who originally said it first, but it's, it's an old quote. It's been around a long, long time. I've said it many times. 
But God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And Noah was a man who was not qualified as a boat builder. How do we know that? Because it had never been done before, so there would have been no qualifications needed. But he walked with God. And he listened to God. And he obeyed God. Now, did when when God gave him, and we're going to talk about this. Let me let me look at my notes here real quick. Um, okay, we'll we'll get there in a minute. But when God gave Noah a vision for a a, a big boat, do you do you think Noah stopped and thought, "That's weird." Why, why do I need a boat? I don't even know what a, you know, I'm sure they probably had fishing boats, but you, you know what I mean. Why, why do I need this? You think, he, you think he thought that? I do. I mean, he was human, right? But what did he do? He just obeyed. He just kept going down the trail. Just going down the trail. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. I love that verse. Because it reminds me that God can use me. Paul Chapel once said this, A Christian's life is not measured by how much he does, but by who he is. Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all the Lord commanded him, so did he. He was determined that he was going to do what God wanted him to do. Obedience to God was not a decision that Noah made when God said, Noah, I want you to build a big boat for me. I want you to think about this. Obedience was not at that point. When did when did Noah's obedience start? Way before. Way before. And my my point is this. Obedience is an attitude of the heart. Right? He had decided many years earlier that he was going to obey God and walk with God. So when God came to him and said, hey, I need you to build me a big boat, it was, okay. I don't, I'm sure, at least I would have thought, I don't understand it, but I'll do it. 
Somebody asked me, I, I, I made the comment when I came into church this, 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 this evening that I don't care what happens in the rest of the playoffs because the Cowboys lost today. I, I'm, I'm golden. That's all I care about. I don't care who wins from now on. It's just as long as they lose, we're good. And they said, why? And I said, well, because back when I was a Cowboys fan, Tom Landry was the coach, and a guy named Roger Staubach was the quarterback. It's taken back a few years, okay? Yeah, just a few. Well, back then, the standard operating procedure for a football team was that the quarterback called all the plays in the huddle. He, he thought them all up. I mean, prior to, they would probably have a list of plays that they would, they would run, but it was the quarterback who made the decision of what play to, to run when. And about the time Tom Landry and Roger Staubach were working together, things started to change within the NFL. Now, now today, no quarterback does anything except throw the football and get paid a lot of money to play a stupid game. <clears throat> but um, anyway, I want to read this to you. Roger Staubach, was, uh, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the World Championship in 1971, admitted <clears throat> that his position as quarterback, who didn't call his own signals, was a source of struggle for him. Coach Landry sent in every play. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play. Even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football, pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Roger later said this, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. See, once Roger Staubach, who in my estimation was one of, he and, he and um, Johnny Unitas are my two hero football people. Just saying, okay, sorry. <clears throat> But once Roger learned to be obedient to the will of his coach and just do what he was told to do, they did phenomenal things as a football team. And Jerry Jones had to buy the team and ruin it. But if we want harmony, fulfillment, and victory in our lives, all we need to do Follow Jesus. Just walk with Him. Psalm chapter 119, 105 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I read it periodically to remind me of how God works in my life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you, you think, wow, that's a, you know, yeah, okay, cool. But what does it mean? The word lamp, we would say in 
21st century vernacular would be a flashlight. And there are times that God will illuminate just what we need to see right in front of us so that we can we can walk without falling or tripping. Then the word light, because the, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And there are the, the word light, I, I liken it to the headlights on, on, our, on your car. And there are times that God will illuminate the path so that we can say, okay, I see where the path is leading. My experience is I get, I get more flashlight time than I do headlight time. I don't know about you. <clears throat> but as I thought about Noah, this is, and, I, and this verse, this is, this, is, this is what I came up with. The lamp, the lamp unto his feet was, Noah, walk with me today. The light that God gave him was, Noah, I need you to be, build me a big boat. Now, were there, were there questions along the way? Were there things that God needed to show Noah along the way of building this massive boat? Absolutely, there were probably many intersections that Noah had to go through. But he was obedient to what he knew was right. Psalm chapter 119, verse 42. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. The word of God is reliable. It will always provide a light to our path. Our, uh, 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 I, just, I just messed it up. Um, a lamp to our path or a light to our path. A lamp to our feet or a light to my... You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> the Word of God the word of God will always do that for us. Always. That's the promise God's given us. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. One of my favorite passages in Psalms is Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey, than honey and the honeycomb. What are the things that you are passionate about? Are they the things of God or the things of this world? Another question for you. Do you think 
do you think that Noah, <clears throat> in the midst of building this ark, suffered for the for for his efforts? Okay, well, we'll see it as we progress through. But we know he did. He was persecuted. He was made fun of. His own family made fun of him. But it did not deter him from doing what God wanted him to do. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> As I was studying and reading, I came across a quote I wanted to share with you. When the fear of God is gone, the decisions of daily life are threatened. When you are walking in obedience to God, the choices will already be made before the difficult decisions come. You will choose to follow Him. When God has a task for you, you will not analyze, question, or doubt. The decision was already made when you purposed to obey. And that's where I, I, I was thinking about knowing the fact that He had to have chosen years before to be obedient. So that when God came along and said, Noah, I've got this this crazy idea, I need you to build me a big boat. Noah just said, okay. Now, how do we make this personal? Let's. Let, can you put up the second picture again, Chris, please? What do you do when you get to this intersection? For years of my life, I tried to negotiate with God to do what I wanted to do. And I'll be honest with you, there were times <clears throat> going to college was one of them when I knew what God wanted me to do, but I tried to negotiate my way around it. The company that I worked for, I was a construction superintendent. And the day that I went in to resign from my position so I could go to college, they offered me a new job. Not only a, not a construction superintendent, but a project manager. You talked about tempting. When I finally did go to Bible college, I went kicking and screaming. I knew it was what God wanted me to do, but I did it with a bad attitude. Why? Because I didn't want to be there. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I'm just telling you, that was my heart. I went from running or building, building custom homes, multi hundred thousand dollar homes one day I quit my job on a Friday we moved on Saturday started my new job on Monday <clears throat> I was making five bucks an hour 
I'm standing there at this company. The first thing that they tell me to do, go water the plants out front. You know how humiliating that was? I'm standing there with a garden hose in my hand, watering plants, crying like a baby because I didn't want to be there. But I knew it was the will of God. The problem wasn't the will of God. The problem was my heart. And there are times that we can be slap dab in the middle of God's will and because we do it with a bad attitude, we're absolutely miserable. God had to do, a, 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 and He did, obviously, a great work in my heart and life to get me where I needed to be. But so often, we get to this point in our lives and we know, we know what God wants us to do. And either... We have really three choices. We can do what God wants us to do with a great attitude. We can do what we want to do. Or we can do what He wants us to do with a bad attitude. I don't recommend the last. But it all goes back to the fact And I'll be honest with you, at that point, even though, I hate to admit it, but the truth is I probably, well, there's no problem, but I, I wasn't walking with God. I was just doing what I knew I had to do. But I wasn't walking with Him. And that's a miserable way to live. Hudson Taylor, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live was sailing to China to begin his ministry <clears throat> in the country. And the ship that he was on was in great danger. The winds had died and the current was carrying them toward a, a, a sunken reef <clears throat> where, uh, close to, where close to an island uh, inhabitants lived there that were cannibals. So close they could see them building fires on the shore. Everything they tried was to no avail. In his journal, Taylor recorded what happened next. The captain said to me, Well, we have done everything we can <clears throat> A thought occurred to me, and I replied, No, there is one thing you haven't done yet. What is that? He, he inquired. Four of us on board are Christians. Let each retire to his own cabin and in, a, and, uh, in agreed prayer, asking the Lord to give us immediate breeze. Taylor prayed briefly. Then certain that the answer would come, went on deck and asked the first officer to let down the sail. What would be the, what would be, uh, the good of that? He answered roughly. 
I told him that we had been asking for wind from God, that it was coming immediately. Within minutes, the wind did begin to blow, and it carried them safely past the reef. Hudson Taylor wrote this, Thus God encouraged me, ere landing on China's shore, to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give help and emergency help when emergency is required as i as i read this i thought hudson taylor was not fearful of the cannibals i don't believe that he was worried about dying the thing that concerned Hudson Taylor was getting to China because that was the path that God had given him to travel. And Hudson Taylor ended up going to China and making a huge impact in the country. Why? Because he was willing to keep his eye on the golf cart in front of him. My question to you is this. We know the trail to Mount Ararat started because of the wickedness of men's heart. But it continued because of the walk of a man who walked with God. Noah was a man who gave his life to God. Simply walked with him. through the trail that he had picked out for him. So when we make life-changing decisions, all we have to do is keep our eye on the goal. It's really pretty simple. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful and grateful that you never quit on us. You never chastise us when we when we make bad choices because we all do you're always there to guide us and direct us and lord we ask as we close our service tonight that you would speak to our hearts that you would challenge us and and maybe in some of the ways we think or pray or i i have no clue how you could be working in hearts but lord as we look at this character of Noah we see a man who simply just walked with you and was obedient and because he did great things were accomplished very quickly if